Sir Balper and the T1 of Brass. I'm Carson Sestouli, and this is Fangraphs Audio. My guest on this edition of Fangraphs Audio is David Appleman, founder and dark overlord of Fangraphs. What follows, Appleman and I discuss the early days both of the site and his own life, a couple of features that will be added to the site over the off-season, and what we might expect more generally from the future of the site. Other topics include Appleman's workout regimen, which is important, of course, some awkward conversation about the new Zoe Deschanel vehicle, the new girl, for the second day in a row. We also get to hear Appleman make this sound more than once. Once again, that's this sound. I've said it once before, but I'll repeat it here again. Care to correspond with any of our guests here on the show? Don't hesitate to contact me via Twitter, where my handle is at Sestouli. That's at C-I-S-T-U-L-L-I. Also, if you find that you enjoy the show, that it provides you some relief from your Sisyphean toils, consider rating it on iTunes, or however that thing works. Now, however, here's my conversation with Fangraphs founder, David Allen. Carson. This is Fangraphs Audio. Are you aware of that? Yeah, right. No, I, I, I realize that. I'm, I'm new to this. I've only done this once before and decided not to run it. So. Oh, oh yeah, that's right. I had remembered talking about it. Do you know this is episode 100? No, really? Yeah, it is. I don't think that's true. You can look it up. I'm pretty sure it is. Okay, well, I'll believe you. I, I, I thought we were getting up there, but I didn't think this was really 100. Wow, that's great. Well, we've done a number recently, and... I will say that I'm not sure there are a hundred good ones, so that's different. Uh, so what are you doing right now? What does what is what do you do on a Tuesday afternoon? I was sitting around working on some some new features for the site and checking my email. And I'm at home. I work from home, so but in, I, in my own home, not not my parents' home or a basement. Right, you have your own home. You're a homeowner. And you live you yeah. live not too far from a recent guest, Chris Swick, I believe. I don't know. He was a little bit coy. He really just wanted to talk about you. But we <laughs> we know that you live in Arlington, Virginia, because he said it out loud. Yeah, I, I do live in Arlington. Yeah, Chris lives, I guess, pretty close to me. And um, I guess he lives in Alexandria, uh, which is the city just one over. Yeah. He didn't he didn't know a lot about Tyson's Corner, which I know about because I stayed there. Why would he not know about Tyson's Corner? Is that a thing that not everyone knows about? I don't think he's been living in the area that long. So maybe he just hasn't kind of... I'm sure he's been to the mall before in Tyson's Corner. It's a very big mall. That's sort of what the area is known for. It's named after the mall. It, it's not actually called Tyson's Corner. It's That's just the name of the mall. It's very strange. But people refer to that area as Tyson's Corner. Yes. But governmentally, there's there's no such thing as Tyson's Corner. You grew up in that area, is that right? Uh, for the most part, starting from about age 13 on. Oh, where were you, where were you before? New York. Oh, the city? Uh, outside the city. Uh, no, I should say, first of all, this is David Alfman. Are you, are you CEO of Fangraphs? Sure. Usually I go by founder these days. Oh, yeah, um, founder. That's great. Yeah, 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 that's good. Also, Dark Overlord, we refer to you affectionately as. Especially you. Yeah. 
um, especially affectionately. We can get to that later. Um, and I should also say that because you are the boss of this, uh, if there are any questions you, you, you prefer to pass on, then you, you have the right to do that. Okay, fair, fair enough. Yeah. But so where in New York then? Because I didn't even know that. I, I assumed you grew up. I assumed you grew up in Washington D.C. or environs. So I grew up in Yorktown Heights, which is in Westchester. So it's about eh, 50 minutes outside the city. Do you have any fond memories of that, or is it just kind of in the past? I mean, I I really like you know I remember going to elementary school. Um, yeah, it, it was fun. You know, normal normal childhood for the okay. most part. But so, do you identify as a New Yorker then? Uh, well, I, I've lived at this point the majority of my life in, I guess, the D.C. area. So, I don't know. I have ties in both areas. Um, I guess I identified as sort of like both at this point in my life. Right, right. And you have family in, in the city, too, I think. Yeah. 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 So that's interesting. And so now we find you – is this a is this a typical weekday for you then, just to be in your home – Kind of, uh, we should say that beyond being the founder of Fingers, you're, you're basically the the only coder for the site. Is that right, or programmer? Yeah, I, on the site, I guess I'm the only person who's ever really done anything with the codes. Well, I remember yeah. this being an issue recently because we were talking, I think you, me, and Cameron at some point, and it became clear that you were the only one, maybe even with the password to certain parts of the website. Right. So I guess nobody, yeah. No one can even access the server or has access to the server except for me. Except for um, you. So you understand, and this is entirely selfish, but your health is of great interest to me because should you, like, for example, were you to suffer head trauma, it's, I mean, would Fangraph shut down? No, 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 I, I don't think so. Uh, I, so. Someone had talked about putting, like, the usernames and passwords in an envelope and, like, putting it somewhere uh, in case something were to happen to me. But I, I don't see it being much of an issue. <laughs> okay, good. I think Fangraphs can continue on, you know, without without me. Right. So as far as your day Longer. goes, you're both a programmer and CEO slash founder, however you want to call that. Um, so your day is spent. I mean, what, do you spend most of your day programming, or like, what are you? You're you're talking to people about the site. I'm sure people have questions about the site. Like, what, are you? A, do you work nine to five? My hours are pretty strange. I work, usually I work about 11 to 6-ish, and then I work very late at night. So from maybe midnight to 2, sometimes depending on how like into coding I get um, and how quickly I want to actually release like a new feature. So, Can you tell us what you're working on now? Well, uh, right now there is some pitch effect stuff in the works. And so that'll be sort of the next big thing, hopefully fairly soon. Can you can you tell us what sort of pitch effects thing? Well, I know you've been requesting pitch effects leaderboards for quite a while. Only, and, in, the, uh, only in a totally polite way. I'm not, de- I'm not demanding. Right, right. Yeah, so we're going to have pitch effects leaderboards, and I think the pitch effects stuff will sort of be integrated um, a little bit better into the site instead of it, it being like off on its own. Right. Hey, this is something I want to ask you about, and it's not entirely related to what we were just talking about, but it's something that, that's interesting to me. I'm not sure I've ever, ever actually asked you about it, um, but it is interesting to me because you now you started the site. I don't know if it was on a lark, but it was largely it was just basically graphs. 
And I think that you were interested in getting some data for the purposes of fantasy baseball. Is that right? Right. It was mostly designed towards seeing trends in stats that, you know, for player performance and player validation for fantasy baseball. Right. And and since then, and I think that was, you started at 06, is that right? Oh, oh five at the middle of the oh five season. Okay, and so that's a while ago. Um, I mean, if we go purely in terms of years, that's, that's six years. And it's probably been. I mean, traffic has increased, and of course, you know, at certain points along the way, like I, I think probably with the hiring of Dave Cameron and, and a couple other writers at the same time, traffic spiked. But now it's like the site is really content heavy, and also the player pages are you know detailed in a way that they haven't been before. Um, and I'm curious how you've adjusted because it, it started with really just you making the occasional post and then some data being on the site. And then you got a couple writers in, a couple more. And now I think it's the point where we have, like, technically speaking, like 40 or 50 people kind of on the masthead, you know, of varying degrees of involvement with the site. You have – I noticed, I've noticed that, you know, in the, my two-plus years with the site, you I noticed that you have a pretty light editorial hand. Um, you have occasionally mentioned things like, you know, could you, you know, could you phrase this that way, or could you present data this way? But generally speaking, it seems as though you have very little, you have very little of the way in, in the way of, a, of an agenda. And I'm curious as to if that's just an extension of some personality trait, or if you just think that the best way to operate is to let people pursue projects about which they're already excited. Yeah. I, so when when I started. Well, I guess when I hired Dave and it was Eric and Mark Hewlett at, initially, I just kind of wanted to get good writers who would write about kind of stuff on their own. And if I thought it was really inappropriate or really just kind of not sound at all, I would say something. Um, but other than that, you know, when it came to topic choices and writing style and all that, it was really up to them. And I kind of think that you know, if people are good writers and, you know, they're good analysts, they're going to produce good work on their own without a whole lot of supervision. And, you know, obviously the help of a good editor can, can you know, help in certain circumstances. But for the type of work we were doing, I think it um, it wasn't necessary. And so I guess as the site's grown, you just kind of continued to, to follow that that same model. And now we have a little more editorial oversight, but not really anything in the way of pieces don't, you know, we like, I guess, like to see what people are planning on writing about, but I think very rarely are we like, that's not a good idea. Right. Yeah. I think that's the case. I, I mean, and, and of course not, not everyone has access to our internal message board, but generally there's sort of a claiming of topics and I think that probably, if anything, there is – it's probably because it's a lot of baseball nerds who like to kind of look at the little lower layer, as it were. Sometimes it's a challenge, I know, for Dave Cameron to get people to pick up, like, the biggest news story uh, because people yep. always want to, do like, do research projects, which I guess is probably just uh, symptomatic of the sort of people who write for the site because they're interested in kind of getting into the data, whereas something like, you know – Signing Jose Reyes might be too big. Right. And so I, like, the idea of Fangraphs eventually is to be, you know, a fully comprehensive baseball site where you can go get all your baseball news. And I think as, you know, we've gotten more writers and as our coverage has become more complete, we've done a better job of covering sort of like baseball news and not just things we find interesting. Um, 
and I hope, like, you know, we'll continue to do, you know, a better, you know, good job of that as well. So, yeah, I remember actually uh, the day uh, Strasbourg was called up and he had his first start. I, I don't think we had anything about Strasbourg's first start. And I, that, that was the only time off the top of my head I remember seeing something which we really should have covered. And I think some of our readers had mentioned, like, hey, how come you guys don't have anything about the Strasbourg start? And so that's when it sort of, like, clicked, like, hey, people had kind of grown to expect that, you know, that's something we would cover. Is that a concern ever? Because, uh, you know, on the one hand, to reach the largest possible audience, it helps to have a sort of, you know, like a big hook as far as a news story goes. But on the other hand, to sort of retain legitimacy as a, you know, as a site that kind of goes about things carefully and, uh, you know, uses sound arguments and data, you know, those things are fixtures in the site. I wonder if, if, it, if ever you find it hard or you feel like in the future it will be hard to maintain that balance? Uh, no, I, I think we'll continue to, to cover things the way we, we generally have from, from an analytics point of view. Because, uh, you know, there's, there's so many other outlets that are covering things from all other sorts of points of view, and it, that's sort of our niche. And um, I'm not saying we won't do other things, but I think we'll always have that at Fangraphs. I don't think things are going to necessarily change in that regard. How long is Fangraphs going to be around? Is that something you know? Is that something you know? I mean, I hope a really long time. Uh, it's not going anywhere uh, in the foreseeable future, so uh, I, I hope it just continues to to grow. And because uh, you're you're a pretty young man, you're 29, right? Right. Yeah. Do you picture yourself being the founder slash CEO of Fangraphs when you're 60, for example? So, so few people these days are in the same job for what? I'm at that point it would be 36 years. Yeah. I'd be running FanGraphs. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I I I love running FanGraphs. I I have a ton of fun doing it, and I don't see you know, I mean, I have no idea what I'm going to be doing in 30 years. Uh, but you know, if if I'm able to continue running FanGraphs for that long, and uh, you know. It, it works out. That, I think that'd be okay with me. Speaking of working out, you're probably aware that a big topic of conversation recently on the pod has been... Are you asking everyone about their workout regimens? Yeah, I am. Yeah, yeah. This joined is, this gym? Yeah, this is important. Yeah, yeah. So, so for anyone who's just listening to Fangrass Audio for the first time, <laughs> episode 100, I gained 13 pounds over the last year, and which on my body doesn't sit particularly well. And so I've joined a gym recently, and I've been working on a regimen... I just I'm trying to get data on this, and I think that our listeners appreciate it too. I mean, all, you know, a lot of them are uh, trying to get fit, trying to look good, trying to trying to live healthy. But you belong to a gym. Uh, yeah. Yeah. What do you do? You do the treadmill? Uh, yeah. I I used to run inside on a treadmill, but now I pretty much try and avoid treadmills completely, and I just run outside. Why? Is that a philosophical thing or what? It's just really boring on a treadmill. And when I'm watching TV on a treadmill, so I'll watch like PTI or something when I'm running. And the problem is, is that like the show has like a counter. It basically has a clock. And I'm, I don't want to stare at the clock. No, that's bad. I watched, uh, yeah, it's, <laughs> just, it's always sunny in Philadelphia. I just can't get into running while I'm watching TV. Like I find I don't pay attention to the show at all. I never forget I'm running. It's really a problem. Uh, so. Running outside, I don't know. I find it a little bit easier, a little bit less 
monotonous. Well, on the treadmill, are you doing more speed or more incline? Well, it would be mostly distance. Because for me, I've noticed that I just stick five miles per hour, but I, I have a pretty good incline up and down, and you you burn the calories that way. But also, you don't get uh, it's not particularly rigorous while you're actually doing it. So I'm just right. saying, consider it, Alpaman. Yeah, I it's just not for me. For a long time, I ran on a treadmill and. I didn't really run outside, and now I mostly run outside. Well, what do you do um, in the gym, then? In the gym, I'll do stuff like like lunges and squats, and um, I mean, I can't really do, like, pull-ups, but I'll do, like, assisted pull-ups. Um, <laughs> a lot of free-weight stuff, uh, oh, yeah. but not, not really sort of aerobic stuff in the gym, unless it's raining or something. Yeah. Well, that's the thrilling conclusion. The <laughs> no, I just, I just you're not, you're not going to ask me if if I like New Girl. I've actually seen it. Oh yeah, I was worried uh, because Dane Perry he told me, he told me that they split up, and so I felt very awkward about that because what's his name Gibbard? Uh, I don't know if he listens to the podcast, but he I know he goes he goes to Fangraphs quite a bit. Oh really? Yeah, yeah. So I didn't I thought it was awkward if we're talking about his ex-wife. But now we're doing it anyway. Now I'm talking about yeah, talking Now about it's that. like doubly awkward. It's really awkward. Well, you brought it up, Alphaman. But so if he's yeah, got... Well, I didn't bring up, I didn't bring up Zoe Nationale's like romantic... Well, life. I didn't do that yesterday, but, you know, I understand Dane Perry doesn't have many manners. So I don't know. So what do you think of it? Did you see the episode yesterday, the Thanksgiving episode? Yeah, I thought I thought it was good. I I'm a fan. I, I'm actually really surprised. I didn't think the show would be any good. Um, but it it actually is. That's it's exactly right. I I think it has something to do with the the previews because uh, for whatever reason they they misrepresented it. It doesn't really get right. it how I, how well Zoe Deschanel's writing is and how well she delivers the lines. Right. I'm actually a little surprised that like for some reason in in my mind I thought she was bigger than having her own TV show. I thought she would continue to kind of like do bigger movies, but I guess, I guess not. Well, it's, uh, you know, TV, uh, there's a lot of quality in TV programming. I don't think that there's the same sort of taboo about going from film to television that there has been in the past. Right. And I would agree with that, but I just, I still feel like that sort of if if you want to be a movie star, like you try and do movies, and then, I mean, you you don't see like except for like guest spots or whatever, you know, like Brad Pitt isn't doesn't have a TV show, and I bet he doesn't have a TV show for like a pretty long time. Brad Pitt. Yeah, or just any like you know really big person you consider like a movie star. Yeah, right. Well, he's also not. I he, well, he actually he's a talented comic actor, but. He doesn't really need a day a day to day job, and I think he's doing all right. Isn't that yeah, why right. people do no. it for money, ultimately? Uh, yes, yes. And I guess she's uh, so someone was I was I was talking about this with my my wife last night, and I guess she mentioned that she's like a producer on the show, so maybe she she's a little more financially involved than than if she wasn't. Uh, uh, um, yeah, uh, if well, she was just kind of like you know pegged to do this. Also, a pleasant surprise was uh, you suggested at one point that I watch The League, which I, you know, it's not like an underground show or anything. I just sometimes you don't make your way to a show, and I watched that, and uh, I was not only uh, surprised by its quality, although I guess I, guess I shouldn't have been because like Nick Kroll 
is funny and um the Paul Shear is funny. But I was surprised that it would also be enjoyable for my wife, which it was. Yeah, it's not really that much about fantasy football anymore. No, and we only saw the first season, which is disappointing only because it has it's only six episodes long. And the second season, so far as I know, is not available on Netflix Instant. So we're dealing oh, with that. Oh, it's not on Netflix yet? Yeah. So, But there is a second season, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, and now they're in the like the third season's currently running, and that's still still pretty good. Uh, they've become like meaner to each other. Like, it, like I don't know. You you watch Always Sunny, obviously, and so like the first season, I feel like they're not quite as crazy as they are like later on, and just things like they just get crazier and crazier. Yeah, I and in fact, I'm not. I don't know that much about it's always sunny. I just say that I know it's on Comedy Central now, and it happens to coincide with my workout. But I, it does seem as though the the entire point of it's always sunny, like essentially every show starts off with the question. It's like, given any circumstance, what's the worst po- possible decision a group of people could make? And then they and then the writers have the the characters make those decisions. Yeah, that that seems like a pretty good. Good way of describing. They literally it. Yeah. do like yeah. the opposite of the thing you should do um, in every cir- circumstance, and it's kind of like, I guess for me, once I explained it to myself in that way, it actually became more enjoyable because I typically don't care for shows where people make really poor decisions. Because um, I don't know, I, I don't know if you've ever spent any time in real life with people who make bad life decisions perpetually. Certainly, maybe. I hope not. Like the cast of like the always sunny crew no right and i guess the absurdity of it is is part of the joy of it but it is true it's like i definitely had people like that in my life who were incapable of making good decisions uh, and it just becomes disappointing after a while you're like well if you were smarter and had willpower and a better life then this then your life would you know like your life would end up better you wouldn't constantly be getting in trouble and you'd be happy Right. Um, and so things that are like any time that plot – actually, that was part of Horrible Bosses too. I don't know if you saw the movie Horrible Bosses. Yep. I thought I thought the performances were really excellent, but occasionally the characters make decisions in that movie that – they seemed like uh, they're like transparent attempts to keep the plot moving forward as opposed to like decisions that this character would actually make if he were looking out for his best interests. And those are moments in movies that are frustrating for me. Uh, well, do you not have the same you don't have the same gripe I, I don't know sometimes I'm just like like I can't believe you know, that guy did that but I, I don't know a lot of movies based on that where like people make even like serious movies where people make really poor decisions like have you ever seen the, the movie uh, Before the Devil Knows You're Dead no okay well that's a movie where people just make like poor decision after poor decision after poor decision <laughs> and I mean, it, it's just—it's not—it's not a fun ride, um, but it's a very good movie. No, I wouldn't want to yeah. watch that. I wouldn't want to <laughs> watch that. I want to watch a movie. So, for example, I think among my favorite movies are the Ocean's films, eleven through thirteen. Mm-hmm. I care for them all, and those are movies about people. Uh, I mean, they, their decisions don't really matter, but like, it's essentially about people who know more than you, because you're only allowed—you're only given so much information as the viewer, and then only. And then only afterwards do you realize that the characters are smarter than you are. 
I like the characters to be smarter right. than me. I like to be surprised by their intelligence and wit as opposed to disappointed in them. Nah. Yeah. That's it's been your response. <laughs> okay. You have anything you you, you want to add, David Elman, to this riveting conversation? No, no. I I think um I think I'm good. You're good. Yeah. How do you have you heard the the way the the microphone sounds? The, your new microphone? Yeah. Our new microphone, really. It sounds good. Um, the podcast it sounds good. Sounds good. Yeah. Well, hopefully this one too. Uh, and uh, listeners who are listening right now should know that we actually recorded for let's me four hours and twenty minutes. We recorded for four hours and twenty minutes, and this is only the best whatever I don't know what I've recorded edited it down to, but it was uh, a long conversation. Uh, yeah, I mean they're really listeners are really lucky they didn't get to hear what was cut. Yeah, that's true. Uh, um, I mean, sl- slightly less I'm, interesting. I'm probably than, bo- boring enough. Uh, <laughs> slightly less interesting than a fishing show. Maybe. Yes. Mostly, it was mostly my fault. Though. I I apologize because I talked. I think I did at one point. I just read the Gettysburg Address. That was weird, right? Yeah, I. Right. We cut that, right? That was cut. Yeah, I'm going to cut that. I thought I don't yeah. know. I just it's just one of my favorite texts. And you know, you live close to Washington D.C., so I figured it was. I just wanted to get on the podcast at some point. Right. Very very nice reading though. I do very a good moving. I do a good Abraham Lincoln. You know, I have the just enough Illinois in there to make it believable. And I was wearing a top hat while doing it. Ah. Yeah. All right, Dave. Uh, well, thank you uh, so much, Alvin, for uh, for making, not, not only making an appearance, but, but carrying the 100th episode of Fangraphs Audio. <laughs> Thanks, Carson. All right. That is uh, founder and dark overlord of Fangraphs Audio. I'm Carson Testuli, and this has been the 100th edition of Fangraphs Audio.